You're now listening to J House Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. today i'm well how are you i'm doing great i'm doing great um thank you for joining the show today appreciate you appreciate you for uh, taking time out of your day of course so to everyone who's tuning in now and everyone who's listening who's going to listen later this is j house podcast radio welcome to episode number 133 today um as i told you guys we were going to have a guest on who has been on the front lines of the Black Lives Matter movement, who's been on the streets, you know, uh, making the message loud and clear concerning the state of um, Black America today, the Black community, um, and police brutality. We have Unique Morgan Dunstan. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having us. And uh, before we begin, also, fellow right way Christian Center Church member, so got right way in the house, so super happy and excited about that. <laughs> but, um, but, um, so how, how, how have you, how have you been, um, pretty much this whole year, just to start off the conversation for this 45 or minutes to an hour? How have you, how have you been this year with all the events that have been going on, um, natural cause wise or, um, you know, police brutality wise? How have you, how have you, Um, this year has been a roller coaster to say the least Um, a roller coaster of emotions events um, just lots of changes happening Um, but it is comforting to know that you know my life is not the only crazy one right now or it feels crazy at times Um, yeah so it's comforting to know that we are all in this together and I'm not in the middle of my own pandemic that we are all experiencing somewhat of the same thing. So, um, yeah. That makes sense. I got you on that. And, um, you know, with the death of George Floyd, that, you know, pretty much fires that pretty much sparked the fire of this whole thing i mean i know it wasn't the first one you know first one mainly being trayvon martin and then after that but george it was something about george floyd with what we saw with george floyd that really um that really just off the world on fire and i don't i don't know if you share the same sentiment but as far as black lives matter as a movement and as far as people um you know, pushing for justice and equality all, you know, all over the place, you know, I'm, I'm seeing videos of people protesting, you know, in other nations across in Europe, all over the place. So it's now, you know, social media, this thing's gone worldwide and the awareness for this, I believe is, is bigger than it has ever been. And do do you believe that as well? Yes, I 100% agree. And it's incredible because it makes me think about the civil rights movement in in the 1960s. And of course that was incredible in bringing people together and bringing awareness, but there has like this magnitude that we're seeing now. I don't think that everybody realizes how big this is and how many people and countries are protesting right now for the same thing. It's huge. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and, and I'm not like, I'm, I don't feel necessarily guilty about it. I don't feel, um, shamed about it, but I remember when Mobile had its first protest, when the first protest started for George Floyd, I didn't, and I, and, and I'm gonna ask you this, cause I'm, this may be an impromptu question because I've struggled with this as of late. Um, I didn't really, I didn't go to the protest because I didn't know all the all of the facts per se. I didn't know the whole, you know, situation that was going on. And it was just like it would be for me, it would have been easy to react and then be pissed, which after looking at everything, oh yeah, of course I was I was teed off about mm-hmm. it. But at the same time, I was I was just really struggling to like find out why this was happening how did this happen yet again and um and so how and so leading into that you know what what sort of got you on the war path against racial injustice and you know the systemic racism we know the killings and and things like that of unarmed black men but like for you what 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 was the moment where like really just like oh my gosh i gotta get out here and i have to do something um Back in 2016, uh, Black Lives Matter was like super small in a sense. Like it's no, it it was nowhere near what it is now. Um, So that's when I first heard about it. And that was right after the killing of Philando Castile, which was the um, black man that got killed in front of his girlfriend and with the child in the backseat. So... 2016, I had just moved to Mobile, just graduated high school. Um, So I was still very new, just really just as an adult in general. Um, So when that happened, that's when I got involved with Black Lives Matter. But I didn't have the knowledge or the mental capacity to handle being an activist back then. Like, yeah, I tried it and it was just too much for me. I, like I said, I just moved to a new city that was way larger than what I had just came from. It was a huge culture shock. There was just a lot going on. So yeah. I tried to jump into activism, but I just had to pull myself out of it because depression was coming in it just it just wasn't my time and thankfully I realized that before I got too far because it would have it would have ruined me like I didn't have the temperament for it I popped off on everybody like everybody so yeah I yeah kind of slid back out of that for a while but then this year when um George Floyd was killed I was like okay, I'm ready. And it just kind of happened naturally. Um, Some people from back home, um, I'm from Marshall County, which is a county that is currently, from the information that we know, 3.2% Black. So in 2010, it was 1.6% Black. So super small town. And very country and conservative. And growing up there was so different, as you can imagine. Like, I was the only black girl in my graduating class. It was me and another black boy. And this is class of 2015. Like, we're not talking about decades ago. Dang. (laughs) Yeah. So... Coming to Mobile was everything to me. Mobile is where I found myself. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I I got into it. And some people from back home messaged me. And they were like, we would like to do a protest in Marshall County. And I was like, whoa, like, where do we even start? Because, like I said, they're so conservative. And huge Trump supporters huge back the blue law enforcement is all they know 
Yeah. So. So. That's where ahead, we're you're, you're fine. That's that's where we got started, and we had like a very small group, and naturally because all people from Marshall County I was the only black girl and they were like well we need a leader and you need you're it and I was like okay like I've always been a leader like natural born leader I can pretty much pick up anything and go with it but this took a lot of prayer and patience and everything else yeah so, 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 so you were chosen. They chose you for this. Pretty much. Um, but kind of by default because of my skin color. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause I mean, I mean, a lot of people get the speaking and, and writing on racial injustice. And, you know, I have these conversations with my parents, you know, they're like, you know, if you're going to say something about racism and if you're going to speak out and do all this, you know, make sure that it's, you know, led by Holy Spirit. Make sure Holy Spirit's leading you to, to say this. And I'm like, that's true. You know, because I mean, because I as of right now, I mean, in I'm in the early stages of, of what you described as as well when you first moved to Mobile. You know, I don't ha- I really don't have as of right now, I don't think I have the temperament to um deal with people like I bear like scrolling through Facebook I barely can like tolerate that because I see so many triggering things Mm -hmm. so much misinformation that needs addressing and so much clarity and confusion that needs to be addressed and my emotions can get the best of me sometimes so like even then I don't think I have the temperament not yet Mm -hmm. but I will soon but I, I can totally understand that and um and so now this thing has sort of just brought you back to where it all began for you, right, in Marshall County. Yes. And and tell me about this, because because I'm seeing the videos, I'm looking at all the all the Facebook lives that you do and stuff. I'm trying to like under get it through my head. We're living in an age of like social media, right? Mm-hmm. So there's so much information. There's so many different sources, biased sources, even whether it comes from the left or the right, Republican, Democrat, middle ground. And I feel that a lot of people don't cross-reference information and double-check information and really understand, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and a whole bunch of other different sort of facts. So I'm listening to this guy that was on the live protest talking again. He he had the mic in his hand. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to talk about what his Southern heritage was. And this has been a burning question I've had for you for like ever since we talked about the podcast. I'm like, how how do people define their Southern heritage under that flag when factually it is a flag that is that was flown and sown in hate and racism? And that's what it was fought for back in the Civil War. How do people tend to just try to bury that? and say that, oh, this is my Southern heritage. What is Southern heritage even? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is just what you just said. They try to bury the ugly. And in mm-hmm. 1894 is when the Daughters of the Confederacy formed their organizations and their purpose was to rewrite the narrative of what the South and the Confederacy were. And let me tell you, they did a fantastic job. They complete like all of these old Confederate monuments. If you look closely on that monument, Nine times out of ten, it was erected by the United Daughters of the Confederacy. And not only that, it was done in a time where Black people were finally starting to come up. But the Daughters of the Confederacy Confederacy said, no, 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 remember who's in control and know your place. So every time you go into your courthouse, you're going to be reminded that you are inferior to the white race. Yeah. So, wow. So that's, that's henceforth that's why y'all are we have. <clears throat> outside the court. 
Yes. Now, um, our specific monument in front of the Albertville Courthouse was not erected by them. Um, We have a local chapter, Sons of Confederate Veterans, and they erected this one back in 1996, and it was moved to the courthouse in 2005. So... Mm. There's that, but as far as Southern heritage, I always say, if this flag and the Confederacy is just about being proud of being from the South, why doesn't every Southern person carry, wear, or flaunt this flag? Right. And the answer is, it's it's not about being proud to be from the South. And they're they're trying to rewrite it and to make it something else that it's not. And, you know, the damage is done. <laughs> like, from the beginning, the Confederacy fought to preserve their state rights. What specific rights? Their rights to own people as property. Yeah. There's no way of getting around that. Wow. That's crazy. <clears throat> and, and when I think about that, about what you just said, it brings up the thought of, you know, this whole 2020 where, you know, racial divide and racial tensions have been at an all-time high yet again. I'm thinking about all of the, like, just what you told me about the Daughters of the Confederacy. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to research that and, and look into that for myself as well. But, like, I didn't even know that because now that through the death of George Floyd and all and everything that's going on, we're starting to see, like, shade, like, the whole underbelly of, like, racial or racist America. We're starting to, like, see these statues and be like, wait, that's not right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's certain doctrines and be like that's not right yeah and so what made me mad was one day I was sitting at home on my uh, up front and I was just like I'm reading all this new information and cross-checking sources and I'm like so I've I've been in I went to high school for four years I went to middle school for three or four years as well Mm -hmm. and during that whole span of about eight years y'all they've been lying to us or giving us a half truth or sort of altered history because I'm like I didn't know any of this I didn't they they weren't teaching us about black wall street mm-hmm. in 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 school they were teaching us about you know yeah I mean Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves but they didn't tell us that he really said these things about slaves mm-hmm. about black people that he didn't believe that they should be equal but yet we praise this man like he's one of the best presidents ever. Yes. And I'm like, wow. And it is all and I'm like, no, done why, on why? purpose. Wow. Yep. Wow. So how how do we how do we go about educating people? Because like on Facebook, I feel like Facebook is the like epitome of all political conversation mm-hmm. and messiness. Like I posted on there, I'm like, if I'm going to post something political, I need you guys to approach it with facts and logic and let's not get into our emotion, you know? And I said, I want to have these conversations in an attempt to um, educate and then in return myself learn new things that I don't know as well, you know? So like, how do we educate people? and encourage people to look at the facts and look at and research for themselves. Well, um, I think we do it by not stripping away our emotions, which is kind of the opposite of what you just said, because we're all human Hmm. and we all have those emotions. And I think when we think logically and with our emotions, I think that's when we can be more empathetic about anything. Because if you're talking about a situation or something happened to you as a man, 
and I can't yeah. relate because I'm a woman, that's where my emotions come in. That's where I can say, well, hmm, if he was my dad or if he was my brother, how would I feel? Yeah. So that is where it, it comes back around because I am naturally a sensitive and emotional person and I always have been. So the beauty of it is acknowledging that we have emotions, but we do have to learn how to master our emotions. Right. So we can't, because if we, if we strip away our emotions, we become robotic and everything is black and white, right or wrong. And it it can't, it can't move into that. Yeah. So, I, and that's totally it's about having a bit of both, right? Right. Um, so about educating, we we just have to put in the work. Um, I like to start with things that I know for sure is just um, whitewashed, which is almost all of our history that we were taught. And I just pull it out and I just make it plain. Like I'm not sugarcoating anything. And I'm also not um, looking over the good that these people did because most of the time it was necessary. But at the same time, if somebody does something good for me or for black people or just people in general, you don't have to tell only the good that they did because well, Abraham Lincoln, for a reason, um, for ex- an example, there was a reason why he set the slaves free. He didn't, he wasn't this great person that was like, oh, slavery is bad and I love black people. Let's get them free. Like, right. we should have been told right. the whole story. Yeah. Instead of hey, Abraham was a great person and he loved black people and so that's why he set them free. Yeah. That's crazy. Because <laughs> I, then I, I, I then went and watched a, like a whole two-hour movie or three-hour movie with Daniel Day-Lewis mm-hmm. and they painted the picture you know, like, oh, Abraham Lincoln was compassionate. He really wanted, he really cared about black people. He cared about all men equally. And I'm like, Wow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and because Hollywood is such a, and the entertainment industry is such a source, you know, of entertainment and, you know, depicting fiction or real life events that happened as well, you know, it's almost like sometimes like you rather just accept that than find out the real dirty, gritty truth. And I'm like, you know, hearing about Abe, I'm like, man. I cannot believe this, man. Like, it didn't make it. It didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, I, and I think that's the whole thing. Like, and I, and I'm not in the stereotypes. And I, and I like having these real conversations with people, you know, because as it stands, you know, you got people who are, um, you know, I'm seeing majority of the racist, you know. Or I call sometimes they're just plainly ignorant people, uh-huh. you know, ignorant people. And then you have people that are truly racist, you know, hiding under the guise of Donald Trump. And, you know, um, you know, and then you got people on the on the other side of the aisle who are, you know, vote for Joe Biden. You know, let's get Trump out of office because he's racist. He has racist followers. And I'm I'm in the middle. I'm like, I'm trying to find out the fact like what's really going on Mm -hmm. and so and I had a podcast on this with my co-host Evan like two two episodes ago and we talked about the media and holding the media responsible you know and I'm like are you guys going to tell us the truth about everything or is this just you know this has this certain thing has to fit your narrative in order to sway the people you know and I'm like that's not what journalism is that's not what reporting is and then, you know, to find out that 
and matter of fact, about 98% of our whole history has been fabricated to fit a certain narrative. It just put me in a more confused place. I'm like, who am I supposed to believe <laughs> about all these things? Going and it's, it's crazy. Yes, it is. So um, what, what are some experiences that you had where you personally experienced uh, racism and discrimination? Because I like, I like hearing about other people's stories as well. My first time that I was aware of my skin color was in school in the first grade. And I have always been a people person. Like, I can get along with anybody. Or let me say, I can talk to anybody. Does it mean that um, I want to be friends with everybody? But I can talk to anybody. And so I was playing in PE and these boys they kept going around to each person in the gym and saying you see that girl over there her name is unique but don't play with her because her skin is too dark and her hair is weird um so don't play with her she's just too dark and so yeah a lot of the kids were like okay yeah got it don't play with her and they didn't for a while and it got to the point where I was like okay I have to say something about this so I right my mom has always taught um if anything happens you go tell the teacher if the teacher can't handle it then you come home and tell me so I was like all right first step teacher got it and so I mustered up the courage (laughs) To, um, we were in the hallway um, walking in a line and of course the teacher was up front and I got out of line and I went and tapped her um, on her side or something like that and she looked down at me yeah. and I said miss blah 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 I need to tell you what's been happening and she said unique you get back in line and you stop trying to tattletale and I was like oh wow. god oh, that was my shot, and I missed it. And so I was like, all right, second step is my mom. Like, I tried to tell (laughs) y'all. So I went home, and I was like, all right, mom, this is what's happening. So the very next day, she went up to the principal's office and told him what was going on, and that teacher got called up to the office, and, I mean, they had that long conversation about racism, and my mom just had to put her foot down and say, you know, if my child comes home and the saint is telling me that this is continuing to go on and you as a teacher and the principal are not willing to hear her out, then we're going to have a problem, an even bigger problem. And so they were yeah. like, yes, ma'am, we completely understand. So sorry. You know, it'll never happen again. But yeah, that was that was my first time. And that was also my first time being called the N-word to my face in the first grade. And I was like, wow, what is this ugliness? Dang. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. That's wild. In the first grade. First grade. That's crazy. Yep. I mean, like. For me, a lot more, my first racial experience came later on, um, because in the first grade, I was getting bullied by my own classmates, you know, but it wasn't anything racial, Mm -hmm. you know, these were other black kids as well, but like, I think for me, um, most of the time, because I I think, I think in in middle school and high school, I consider myself to be a very, um, very everybody kind of person like there wasn't anybody that I didn't think I could get along with Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that was just because of where I grew up or if I grew up in the suburbs and I didn't come from the hood or what I don't whatever the case may be I don't think it will matter because I'm still black at the end of the day Mm -hmm. but um for me I think um my first case of like realizing like I knew it I always knew that there were racist people out there but 
for me and the set of group of friends I have, which came from all different kind of places, a very diverse group, you know, we didn't care. We were just friends and, and that was it, you know. So I've always walked with that. But then I think I had it. I had this sort of, you know, racism rears its ugly head moment when I first met my wife, mm -hmm. um, who it's amazing. She's Caucasian. And um, and our first date, we we went out to like a haunted house and we had a chaperone. Uh, I'm not going to name no names, even though I want to throw major shade, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but like, you know, so I'm on my best behavior. I'm on my good boy. You know, I'm all dressed up nice and, uh, you know, polite and everything, saying all the right words, making all the right moves to make a good impression. And um, and so I spend the whole time talking to this lady you know, saying what I believe in, I believe in, in Christ, and this is what I do. Uh, I go the right way. I'm a minister there. I help with the youth and da 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 da. Just giving the whole spill. Mm -hmm. And even after all that, later on, my wife comes back to me, and she, I think it was like a, a day or two later, but um, she's like, she's like, Eric, you know, so and so, you know, talk to me today about you and said that, you know, even after all that, even after all I said and gave her the whole thing and everything, even after that, she was like, she said that I need to date someone that's my skin color or, you know, date someone within my, within my race. And I was like, what? I'm like, bro, like, why would she say that? I'm like, I wasn't even sagging. I don't, I'm not even like, I'm not even that kind of guy. What, like, why did, why did she say that? And then, later on down the line um we ended up we ended up getting married and then the same person said um said oh you know thought you must be pregnant that's why y'all are getting married i'm like that's what it's got to be yeah. like literally you think that lowly of me is that that you think that's what it is and i was like that was real that was my first time experiencing prejudice and racism you know in its full form and it's even more dangerous today because like you know, back then they were more outspoken, still are now, mm -hmm. but this time around, you know, these people will smile at you with a straight face, tell you that you're nice and everything and have a, the whole nine and then turn around and in the shadows behind closed doors when you're not around, mm -hmm. they'll dog you out. You know, I'm like, dang. And, that's, and so now I think, yeah. I'm sorry, that is no, go ahead. what I, try to explain to as many people as I can. Um, it doesn't matter how articulate, how educated, what our family background is, where we grew up. We are still viewed as number one, black. And there is nothing yeah. that we can do about it or they can do about it. As many times as they say, I don't see color, you see color, you see that I'm black and you are prejudging me right now. Like that's the first thing that happens. And it's not like yeah. it makes that part makes them the bad person. It's about learning from your biases. Okay. When that does pop in my head, when I do see a black man or a black woman and those negative thoughts come in my head, what can I do with that? Yeah. And if we don't learn yeah. or if white people or people that are not of color don't learn to see and acknowledge the color, but learn how to navigate with that. So like, yeah, just today I saw somebody in the comments on Facebook say, you know, we were raised not to see color. And I immediately stopped her. I said, I know where your heart is and I know what you mean but we want you to see our color and she yeah. she just replied back with a simple yeah yeah I uh, thank you for you know understanding and I, I understand what you're saying but it's like does she though because <laughs> am I the first person to tell her this or will she just take this as my opinion so mm -hmm. it's like a a constant 
battle that black people have to go through. If my pants are up and I am speaking um, proper English, like you're doing all the right things, checking all of their boxes, but you're still black. Yeah. And it's a horrible thing to deal with. Yeah, that's that's true. So so you yourself mm-hmm. being in an interracial marriage, because I know you and your husband go the right way as well. He serves and he's awesome and amazing. I see him every time I go up there and he's seen he's awesome. Um, what was sort of when when you two got married or even when you two first met any time in between there, did 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 you guys initially experienced, you know, racism or discrimination because you guys got together? Hmm. Nothing to our faces, but, you know, as Christians and being filled with the Holy Spirit, you can read a room pretty easily. Uh, Yeah. So nobody has, like, came up to us and said anything with their words. Um. Besides when we go out to restaurants, almost every time we go eat and then they bring the check and it's two separate yeah. checks. And wow. Yes, yes. And Derek is like, this is my wife and we are together. And they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, I just didn't want to <laughs> assume. And it's like, What? Bro, what? Yeah, and they don't even ask. They don't ask. They just bring two separate checks. Wow. That's how deep-seated the prejudice may be. Yep, and they don't see a problem with it either. Wow. That's crazy. Don't even ask. Are y'all together or separate? Which I I thought everybody was supposed to do that. Like, don't they? As a waiter? Like, are y'all together or separate? I thought that was like a pre-thing that they always do, but wow it happens it happens a lot or like we'll walk in especially if we're with his family and i'm the first to walk in and i'll say um party of seven or something like that and he's he or she'll say well just let me know when your party gets here and it's like they are here right here standing they just walked in with me (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah (laughs) That's crazy. I, I I think I I just recently had my first uh, racial experience in a restaurant. I'm not gonna name the restaurant because they serve immaculate food, <laughs> but um, and I, I ain't go I ain't go do them like that because I love them too much. They're like a part of my stomach now. I love them, <laughs> but like me and my wife went and um, we ate there and we were like. I think halfway middle to the end of our meal in the middle of an engaging conversation. And there's this old white lady sitting like right behind my wife tilted to the left. And she's staring into the pits of my soul as I'm eating my fish and fries. And I'm like, bro, like I didn't look at her, but I could, you know, your peripheral, I could see out my peripheral. I'm like, bruh. I'm like, babe, legit. I think that that woman has never, like, I think she might be from that way, (laughs) like from that part of town. You know what I'm saying? She might be from that era of time where, you know, this wasn't a thing. So she's like staring hard. Um, And then, and then like, I see that with all old people. We pulled up the Arby's one time to grab like root beer floats and shakes. And there was this old vet, these two old veteran guys. I respect those guys who were veterans for world war two, Vietnam, all that. Mm-hmm. I respect them to death. Um, but like, when I tell you stare, I'm, I'm like, they stare like they just time traveled. Like, cause I understand in the fifties and sixties segregation, you know, this wasn't allowed. And now it's like, you're like 80 something years old and you're seeing black and white people together and you're like, wait a minute, like, huh? Mm-hmm. It's like they just time travel, like they look like they're in the wrong time. And and even on the other side of things, when we first got into the restaurant, there was this black woman who, you know, as soon as me and my wife sat down together, she was looking at my wife and then she got up when we sat down and I'm like, so it's like, 
So this is on both sides. <laughs> we know it's on the white side of things, but like, dang, like it's like that. We got we got prejudice on the on the on the other side too. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's all just such an experience seeing this. And I'm like, we have these conversations because my wife is due. She's pregnant, due to be uh due to be uh having a baby in January. And we have these conversations all the time. We're like, Bay how are we supposed to explain to our mixed child that someone may look at them different because of the color of their skin? What's up, Evan? Thanks for joining. How how are we going to explain this to them? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, I sometimes it gets to, it's an emotional conversation, but it's one that has to be hacked. I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to explain this. Like, you know, I done grown up my whole life. I got best friends, you know, that are white. Mexican, all that, and so, you know, it, 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 I just never experienced it like that until now, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm trying to hope, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be the same thing for, you know, my son when he gets here, because I've had people like look at me because of the way I was raised. Oh, you're so white, like coming from my own people, mm-hmm. color of my own skin, black. You know, look at me. Oh, you so white. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you this and that. I'm like, why? Because I'm like, I don't got to, you know, I don't take pride in, in, you know, like most people may do. I mean, if you if you take pride in coming from the hood and all that, okay, fine. But I'm not going to sit here and act like like I'm hood just because the whole school likes to throw up gang signs and do all that mess. That's not where I'm from. So, and I and I got called white for that. You know, there are people who are like, man, you're probably going to end up marrying a white woman when Lo and behold, there you go. You've spoken <laughs> into existence. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's crazy. Um, so, la- last question before we before we sign, kind of just reflect a little bit. Um, you know, you're you're in, you're nailed down in Marshall right now, mm-hmm. doing these protests. You went to Washington, which, wow, that that must have been an experience, right? Absolutely, it was incredible. That's that's awesome. Like I'm like, dang. So so y'all really like literally marched on the White House. Did y'all like do the whole nine, like like MLK did back in the day? So I'm not sure exactly where the crowd stopped because, I mean, there had to be at least fifty thousand people there. I mean the the crowds yeah. never stopped. So it was. My husband, my mom, and I, and it was blazing hot. And it was like mm, two o'clock. So the sun is like absolutely beaming down on everybody. So we, we just got to a point where we stopped. But what we did, we just made our way back to the hotel and we just said, all right, in the morning, we'll go, we'll get up and do a little bit more sightseeing and that way you know we won't be surrounded by so many people but it was a rainy morning so that made it kind of tricky but we still got out there and you know got to see and experience some things yeah that's great that's awesome that's great i hope i get to do that one day because i'm like i mean like you said i'm so relating to that you know being tolerant early and not ready to be an activist yet because, you know, there's just certain, you know, you just have to get to a place before that. So, like, I'm definitely feeling that. But I'm I'm thinking maybe in the future. Because, you know, if, if this happens again, and it will, because it's crazy. It always does somehow. You know, maybe I'll be a little bit more tempered to deal with people and to get out there and voice, you know. So, um, final question. What, what are your goals as we as a black community and everyone in the world continues to fight for racial inequality and against police brutality in America. What are your, what are goals that you wish to accomplish as we continue to fight this, uh, this important fight in history? Hello, you there? Morgan. Hey, you need you there? Hello.
Sorry, guys, we're having a tech technical difficulty. Hello? Unique? Hello? You there with me? You can hear me? Okay, I can't I can't hear you right now. Look at that. The enemy don't want us to have this conversation. Look at that. Wait. <laughs> Hey, Unique, you there? Yes. Hey, sorry about that. See how the enemy do? <laughs> <laughs> See that right there? <laughs> I'm, I don't know what happened, but it's okay. We're back. Gotcha, gotcha. But um, yeah, I was saying just to finish it, just to finish it off. At what are what are your goals as we as a nation and a community continue to fight racial inequality and police brutality in America? Okay, so some goals that my organization, which is Say Their Names Alabama, has is taking down symbols of white supremacy. And our number one thing right now is in Marshall County, we have a rebel Confederate flag um, still flying high and proudly in front of our courthouse, along with Mm -hmm. a Confederate monument. So we have been petitioning and putting pressure on our county commissioners, number one, to remove the flag. There's no um, law or any hoops that we have to jump through, really, besides going directly to the county commissioners. Um, Now, the monument is a little bit more tricky because a preservation act was put into place in 2017, which makes Mm -hmm. it so much harder to remove um, Confederate monuments. Even though our monument is only 24 years old, we still have to, number one, persuade the county commissioners to fill out an application waiver that is Mm. from the state legislators. It's really from a committee that they formed. And then the committee has to decide whether the monument can be relocated. So, that is a big undertaking, especially for a conservative town, which sees no problem in the Confederacy at all. So wow. that yeah. is our specific goal. Um, but there, there's so much that needs to be done. Um, prison reform, obviously, police brutality. Um, I feel like the list, the list never ends. Um, more resources yeah. for our black community, education. Ugh, it goes on and on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But um, oh, I ahead. did want to um, say one other thing about, since we're both in interracial marriages, I still struggle to believe that we wouldn't be able to marry our spouses until 2000 the year 2000 yeah that is crazy in the state of alabama i should put that in um wow crazy 20 so 20 years ago just about we couldn't even we couldn't even get married yeah black and white people yeah in this why is it that like and and your your whole like your whole description of coming to Mobile, coming from Marshall to Mobile, of it being like this bigger place when most people that live here are like Mobile is so small. I'm ready to go, you yeah. know, like it, it's absolutely crazy to think about that. Alabama seems to be the last person on the boat in everything because we truly are one of the more conservative states in the United States, and yeah. that's crazy. And sometimes I think about it, I'm like, where conservatism and and the other side of things comes into play is that, yeah, it's okay to have moral values and to be conservative in retrospect. But at the same time, you can't force people to, 
you know, follow one certain rule because people are going to do what they want to do anyway. You just can't do that. And yeah. so that's where I think I myself and being a conservative come in the bump, you know, they start to bump heads there because people have free will and, you know, yeah, it's just crazy. But, um, but I really do appreciate you for being on the show today. It was an honor and a pleasure to have this conversation. Um, we can follow you on Facebook at unique Morgan Dunstan. I know that, um, you gave me your Instagram, which is unique, um, unique at her best, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yes. And then you also have the say their names, uh, Instagram page as well. Right. Say their names, AL, which is on Instagram. You guys can follow that as well. And, um, and what can we, what, what are y'all doing now so that we can, so that people can hop on and, and, and hop on this cause and support? Yes. If you would like to support, uh, we have a GoFundMe that is active right now. We are trying to become a 501c3, which is a nonprofit organization. And once we do that, we'll be able to make all of our donations given to us, um, tax deductible, which is a huge thing um, for businesses and celebrities. It's a huge um, attractor to people who would like to give to organizations like mine. Right. Okay. Well, um, if, if you don't mind sending me the link to that GoFundMe and I can definitely send that, I can put that on my, um, put that on my story for other people to see so that we can raise awareness for that. I'll post the Say Their Names AL Instagram page as well and uh, post your page so that people can follow and get in on this action and get in on this very important time. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed myself. No problem at all. I thank you too. I, I very, I cherish conversations like these to have with people so that we can, you know, it's not a conversation that everyone likes to have, but it's one that everyone needs to have. Uh, in this day and age. So I definitely thank you for that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You have a good day. You too as well. You have a blessed one and continue to be safe out there. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio.